Hey, good to see all of you. And someone mentioned that uh, me and Pastor Jun were dressed alike. Is there like a dress code today? There is, you know, no. Um, so, you know, we just spent so much time together. That's why it's kind of like that, you know, you have to have two daughters dressed the same to be a pastor at Crossway. So it all kind of worked out that way, no. But uh, so good to see all of you. And I wanted to um, really thank um, all those who uh, served and prayed uh, for our VBS this year. It was a, um, just a joyful time. And um, and just to, um, you know, hear the kids singing and praying, and uh, I think it's, it's just so um, rewarding in that way. And especially um, our staff guys, they went above and beyond, you know, just bringing the tons of stuff um, starting in the afternoon and staying, you know, really late when it was all done and to clean up and all that stuff. Uh, they did so much, and so I just wanted to thank them. <clears throat> so please, you know, from Gene and Daniel, Sergio, everyone, um, Pastor John, please um, give them a pat on the back when you see them. And uh, this week at Brea as well, we have VBS happening again. And so it's really an exciting kind of season for church. And uh, so if you could pray for that as well. And uh, if you, you know, want to drop your kids off and do it again, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, and uh uh, go on a date and go out to eat in Brea and uh, do that. Uh, that would be awesome as well. So if you could pray for that. And also for our youth group kids um, as they prepare for retreat. And as Pastor John mentioned, please sign up early um, because the, you know, the exact buses are already rented and uh, the rooms have to be prepaid um, and there is a limit. And so please sign up early and don't um, stress out Sergio on the day of, all right, and show up with three kids and um, stress them out in that way, right? Well, anyways, today we are looking at the last section in Philippians and we're talking about this um, idea of contentment, right? Are you content? You know, when I was a freshman in high school, uh, starting my freshman year in high school, my parents and my mom decided to buy a little deli restaurant. And I remember I was so excited, right? Because, uh, you know, we had three boys in our family and uh, we all played football and we all ate like, you know, we were starving to death all the time. And so we were so excited. Like, she's going to open this deli and it's unlimited, right? And so we get to go and eat anytime. Um, and so, you know, that lasted for about um, the, the summer before and we were so excited. But you know what starts happening, right? You, you get sick and tired of it, right? And so um, every day after work, my mom would bring home the the left the mistakes right you know there are mistakes throughout the day and she goes here's three mistakes here's your lunch tomorrow and like oh you know no please no more turkey and two you know and so now prior to the you know i'd go to see the school lunch and you're like oh this is horrible right this is like prison food how can you eat this um and i get to have a gourmet sandwich i was so excited but that went away so quickly um, and so I remember we would go and try to sell our sandwich at school. Um, and I kid you not, and the, the guys would be so excited. Oh my gosh, I, you know, here's my five bucks, you know, and I'll, I'll pay three bucks. And we would sell it and eat their, you know, prison food. And I'd be so happy about it. And, um, but it goes away quickly, doesn't it? And this is true in, in all parts of life, right? And there are studies that say our, our level of contentment has a, uh, it's kind of a law of diminishing returns, right? The, the, the more we have, the less content and satisfied we are. The more we make, the less satisfied we are. And there was one study that said at $75,000, you hit a plateau. 
Up till then, you're working hard, working hard, moving your way up, and you think, boy, when you get to the average American to $75,000, they say, you just hit this contentment plateau. Why is that? Because the more we make and the more things we have, and we move until you buy your first house or you buy a car or whatever it is, you realize there are people with bigger and better things. You realize there are upgrades available everywhere. You're excited with your car, you're excited with your house, you move to a new neighborhood, but your house is not the best house in the neighborhood. And you start realizing these things and how true it is when it comes to contentment. And we wanna leave this place fully content And we want to really understand where we get this from. And the Bible here in this passage talks about the secret of contentment. That the average person doesn't know, that the world doesn't know. Um, It tells us in verse 13, chapter 4, 13, that we hear so much out of context, right? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And you hear often athletes quote this. The little guy who made the NBA will quote this and so on. But this isn't about supernatural ability. This isn't me being able to play basketball or run fast. This is talking about contentment. I could now learn to be content regardless of my circumstance. I could do all things through him who strengthens me. So whether I'm broke, whether I'm making the most money I've ever made, um, whether I love my new place or I'm not so satisfied, I have learned the secret of contentment. And that's what he is saying here. So please don't use this out of context, right? And that's the idea here. And he says this idea of being able to adapt in all situations is because he strengthens me. So the secret is, is in Christ. He strengthens me. So what he is, Paul is saying here is, it's not my ability, it's not my innate goodness or my inner fortitude that helps me and the discipline I have that helps me or some kind of technique that I've learned from this world. He says, no, it's actually an outside uh, agent, God himself, who strengthens me. Because without this strength, I can't do this. I can't make it happen. I will covet, I will complain for the rest of my life. I will not be able to give thanks because there is always something better. There's always something newer, and I don't have enough. So what are we going to do? We have to understand that our sufficiency, your satisfaction, has to come from Christ and Him alone. And this is the secret Paul is telling us today, that our sufficiency has to come from Christ alone. Our sufficiency, and there's a word here used in verse 3, right? To be content. So not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That word content there was the Stoics word of the day, right? The Stoics believed in this. This was their word. So when the people of Philippi would read this, they knew. Boy, the Greek Stoics that believed in this, their whole life mission was contentment. And so he borrows their word to say, I know how to have contentment. Now the Stoics uh, believed in those days that their life goal is to meet contentment. And this almost sounds a lot like a, um, you know, the American dream in a way. But my life goal, the Stoics' goal is to find contentment. But they would find it by controlling their emotions. They believed that the gods had no connection with the circumstances around me. The gods had no control, they were irrelevant. So how I react to the bad news and the good news, that's how I find contentment. 
And so I'm almost deceiving myself. I'm almost fighting it. So there's an inner battle. Now, the extreme opposite of that was the hedonist. The hedonist says, well, it's all about contentment. And whatever I need to find contentment, I will go do, buy, eat, drink, sleep with, whatever I need to do. And I will avoid any kind of pain, and I will chase after pleasure because it's all about contentment. And we all know the new experiences in life and the new purchases in life uh, and all of these things that we might be doing will not satisfy us ultimately. And Paul here says to those who are very familiar with these ways of thought, and he says, there is a secret to contentment. It's found in Christ. For the Christian, it's very different. For the Christian, you're not saying God's not in control and I'm just going to have to will my way to find contentment on my own, find some technique, find some peace within. He also is saying, well, the Christian doesn't say it's all about worldly pleasures. I will go and spend, buy, and do whatever makes me happy for the moment. He says, no, it's something better than that, something greater than that is our sufficiency in Christ. So you see this here in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says it's something that, first of all, he says it's learned. It means that we as humans, we we don't understand how this happens. We learn this. We gain this knowledge. We gain this ability. We learn this as we come to Christ. And he says... He's talking to those in whatever situation, whatever situation. Now, so now this covers all of us. This covers the whole church in all of the history, all the Christians, whatever situation. And so there are those who are maybe in the Middle East reading this, afraid for their lives reading this. And this hits home as much as us who are living, we are living in abundance in America. And we read this and it still affects us in whatever situation. So whether you live in America, in Orange County, California, or whether you live in the Middle East where you might die for your faith, you can both learn contentment. And it comes in Christ. And it comes through Him. And so we see this here, that it's a learned thing. And that we ought to go and find it in Him. So what do we learn that uh, thirdly is that our, our sufficiency in Christ is greater than any material situation, right? And he talks about the highs and lows, right? The, the haves and the have-nots, the highs and lows. He says here in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He is talking to all of us. And you might be in a position right now, you might be in the most money you've ever made in your whole life. Right? You, God has given you his health and success, and you are, now this is, you're like, wow, I, my parents have never had this kind of money, and I've got this kind of money, and this is the best time of your life. Worth for, for some of us, this might be the hardest time. For the Christian, he says, okay, let's look at both situations. It covers all of it. So what happens for us is, When we get something, when we buy something, when we get some promotion or some recognition, those highs aren't that great. Please don't don't update your Facebook, I am so blessed. I got a new pair of shoes. You know, come on, like let's not take something so trivial and talk about God has blessed me so much. 
I got a new shirt. You know, like, it's very trivial. And we do that often. Boy, I got, I finished this paper, or, you know, praise the Lord, and we will write something like that. Our highs shouldn't be so high. Because in Christ, we have everything anyway. So if we, God grants us something in this world, well, praise the Lord, I will enjoy it. I will use it for his glory. But that's that. You know, God gives you a new place to live. Wow, praise the Lord. But this doesn't define you. This doesn't define that your life is set. You've made it. You've arrived. Not for the Christian. So our highs are not so dictated on the highs of this world. And our lows are not as bad as they always seem to be because God is in control. Our lows are still in the hands of God. And we believe that. You know, it's R.C. Sproul who said this. Speaking of Paul in this context, his contentment with his condition in life rested on his knowledge of God's character and actions. Paul was content because he knew his condition was ordained by his creator. He understood that God brought both pleasure and pain into his life for a good purpose. Paul knew that since the Lord wisely ordered his life, he could find strength in the Lord for any and all circumstances. Submission to God's sovereign rule over his life was the key to his contentment. The Stoic said there is no God who's involved. God doesn't control this. You don't pray to God. You just deal with it and you have some inner fortitude and you deal with it on your own. The Christian says God is involved in everything in all of creation, in sustaining all of creation, he is involved in everything. And when you read the Bible, it is filled with people who deal with adversity. Yeah. The, some, if we don't read the Bible, we think, boy, isn't it all about good news, good fortune, God has something better for you, God is going to redeem this, God's going to... No, you read this, the accounts of the men and women in the Bible who follow after God, they fall into loneliness, depression, physical beating, brokenness. I mean, they go through hardships, and you read Hebrews chapter 12, and you see, the, chapter 11, you see the whole list of people who suffered. So in the midst of that truth, we have to now understand God is sovereign in all of these things. The hardships that you faced and the, the, the dark period in your life that you went through. Somehow God allowed you to go through that. And I think about my own life and the hardships that I've had to experience through my life, and those were the most uh, refining years and periods of my life. It wouldn't make me who I am if I didn't have to go through that. God had his fingers all on that as it went. And so we believe that. So it's greater than any situation that we're in. So our eyes are on Christ. We find our sufficiency in him. So when life is going well, we say, well, thank you, God, but this isn't everything. And when life is tough, we say, well, thank you, God, but this doesn't ruin my life. I have you. And we change the way we look at this. You know, um, in the Houston Chronicle, there was a story of a lady, Eunice Sanborn. Eunice Sanborn, on um, July 20th, 2010 celebrated her 114th birthday, 114th. So she was now recorded as the oldest living human being, right, in the galaxy, right? I mean, 114, I mean, it just covers everything. And uh, so the newspaper showed up and she had, the, her church had thrown her a, a birthday party. It wasn't a surprise when you don't surprise people at 114, <laughs> it will be their last, all right? Um, 
First Baptist in Jacksonville, Texas. And they interview her after. And they ask her, tell us about your life. Tell us about the 114 years you've lived. And she said these two words that the newspaper recorded. And she said, no complaints. I have no complaints. Now, some of us have lived in our 30, 40, 50, whatever years. We have a lot of complaints, right? Like, you know, I, I wish I was born to my friend's parents. So I look at their life. Boy, I, I wish I could be two inches taller. Like, I wish I could have this. I wish I went to this school. I wish I lived here. I, I shouldn't have never gone to this grad, you know, whatever it is. No complaints. And the uh, reporter recorded, uh, wrote this. If she had wanted to complain, she would have had many things accumulate throughout her 114 years to complain of. Yet this lady has demonstrated that complaining is a choice. No complaints. I'm sure it is her faith, as they celebrated at her church, that gave her this correct perspective that her sufficiency is in Christ. And the last part is this. This is kind of the application of this all. is The sufficiency that we have in Christ makes us generous people. Because I, everything I have, um, the riches of God that I possess, um, is not mine to hoard or to find joy. And if, if my joy comes not in the things that I possess, but in serving other people, then it makes us naturally generous people. And in chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul is closing out his letter with some personal thoughts. He names a few names before, and he talks about different things. And here he is really talking about the money that they gave him. And he thanks them for the money that they gave him. And he says here, um, verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. He describes it this way, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He talks about this. He talks about them being those who supported him. Uh, you read Romans, he talks about giving, uh, how they gave to him as well, and he talks about money in this way, that he would take money and help other churches and help other people with the money. And he says this is part of the Christian life. And so it makes us into generous people because, well, um, if I can make God uh, please God in doing this, then there comes my... Uh, sense of contentment and the, the things that he says and we it's interesting because I've seen verse 19 quoted many times especially back in the 90s and 80s when we had Christian bookstores and there was quoted Bible verses for you know put on shirts and things and it said and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus and you've seen that if you've been in the church you've seen that quoted on calendars and things and life verses this is so great but they don't go to verse 18, right? They don't talk about, well, he, you gave and you, you were generous with this. And this is what is so important here. And this is one of the things that I, uh, you know, I am so proud of um, when I think about our church is the willingness and the generosity. And if, this is, if there was a message for our church that this has been the response that we are people who want to be generous, we, we, we have a generous God, and we give in a generous manner because it is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. Yesterday, I got a, uh, some uh, thank you cards that I was opening up 
from one of the organizations that we supported. Um, they're going to be generous. And I was just reading the, the, the thank you cards. And it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't a thank you to me. You know, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking, man, how, just this, this idea of a fragrant offering that we were able to give to these people in need in the name of Christ, and it was a fragrant offering. Somehow, it was just like the offering in the Old Testament when the smell and the smoke would go up. It was a fragrant offering, and God is pleased in that. And so we ought to be in this way. You know, there was a book called The How of Happiness. Uh, Lubomirsky is his name. Uh, The How of Happiness. And in the book, it, it talks about, in order to be happy, this is how you ought to spend your money. It's kind of interesting. And the least joy you will get is buying something material for yourself. He says, that's the least happiness you will get. And this isn't a Christian book, right? So, um, you know, going to buy myself some new shoes or I'm going to go buy myself a new this or buy myself a new that. He says, that, that'll, you know, result in the least amount of happiness. You know, if you're going to do anything, to spend it on an experience. Go try something, learn something, pick up a hobby. But the ultimate form of happiness is to give, to give to someone, to something. You know, why why do these, you know, you go to a hospital and there's walls and walls of donors and rich people who've given. Why is that? Because they had so much money and they bought everything and they said, this doesn't bring us any joy. And they get that biblical truth. They're understanding that. We're not all there. But we don't have to get there to say, oh, yeah, I think that is the right way. The Bible actually tells us that. And so I want us to be content people. I want us to be saying, God, I thank you for everything I have. God, I praise you for exactly my circumstances, even my hardships today, that you give me guidance, you give me people in my life, you give me strength, and you give me prayer so I can get through this. And no complaints. We as people who received God's grace, what are we to complain about? If God loves us and he gives us all that we have, we ought to simply be content. And so let me challenge you, right? This summer, let it be a summer of contentment. Next time you want to covet, right, or you want to complain, just stop, you know, just stop. And say, God, uh, help, me to be, help me to understand this again. Help me to find my contentment in you before I covet, before I complain. I'll be content in Christ. That is the secret that we have. Uh, let's take advantage of that. Let's pray together. Um, what a joy, Lord, it is. What a privilege it is that we have in you. Contentment. Because you are everything. You are the treasure in the field. You are the pearl of great price. You are the bread of life. We have that We don't fully understand that. God, the world around us keeps telling us that we are just low. You need to have more, but we want to find it in you. Give us eyes to see what we have in you, Lord. Give us a heart that is filled with gratitude. Give us lips that are filled not with complaints, but with joy and gratitude towards you. So, God, we want to live for you in this way. Everything we have is yours. What we have in you is everything to us. 
So Lord, we celebrate today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.